Welcome to The Lowdown, a podcast of news and ideas from the Columbia Alumni Association. Odds are good you've heard of Jack Dorsey. He's the co-founder of Twitter and the co-founder of the mobile payment company, Square. In 2013, Dorsey gave a talk at Columbia, and at the time, it was the largest entrepreneurship event in Columbia's history, attracting over a thousand Columbia students, alumni, and friends. Since we've been digging into the archives lately, we thought we'd play you some highlights from that keynote address, where he talks about how he turned his obsession with urban maps, punk music, art, and coding into a microblog that has changed the way we communicate. Again, we're only playing you some excerpts from his talk. If you're interested in hearing the entire thing, we've included a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Enjoy. I'm honored to be here, and I want to um, do something very simple, which is just talk about uh, a lot of left turns that I took uh, to get to the place where I am today. To start, I want to talk about how things began and how things began for me and how I found meaning in all the random sorts of departures and meanderings I've had to make through, through my life. But when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I really wanted to see the world. I wanted to be a sailor. And I come from St. Louis, Missouri, and there's no oceans in St. Louis, Missouri. But there are lakes, and there is a river that connects to the ocean. And I wanted to see everything the world had to offer. So I got really into sailing and just visualizing what uh, the world might be out there. And it really, it really drove me. And, it wasn't just through the physical things and, and you know, the, the physical manifestation of the world, but it was also through the conceptual. I really wanted to be an artist. I wanted to create something. I wanted to show the world a new way to see itself. During that time, I also got into a, a musical movement uh, called punk. And punk taught me a lot about myself and also the world. Punk was always interesting to me because there was, this, uh, there was this desire to practice and to, to build yourself on the world stage. So it wasn't musicians who were trained at classical institutions, but it was actually people who would pick up a guitar, go out to the street, and start playing. And people would boo them. They would go onto a stage and start playing, and people would boo them. But little by little, they actually got better in public. And they learned about what worked and what didn't in public. And I thought that attitude was so awesome and stunning. And I saw more and more of it in my computing life because I got better and better at programming. And one of the ways I got better was actually downloading open source software. People who weren't classically trained as programmers or engineers, but wanted to do it and wanted to do it in public and also share the results of that learning. So I saw a lot of the parallels between punk rock and how people got out there and just did it and had the confidence to make it better and better and better, and also open source programming. And how someone like Linus Torvalds, who created Linux, got out there, didn't know anything about writing an operating system, put his ideas out there, put his work out there. People were inspired to join and make it better and better and better. And that's been a huge common theme of, of my life and what's worked. So I continue to explore how Art and technology intersected, and one of the things I was really fascinated by was plants. And I found one of the best botanical illustrators in the world. They just happened to be in St. Louis, Missouri. I moved back from St. Louis and took botanical illustration and started drawing uh, ferns and ginkgo leaves and 
um, all these flowers. And uh, I realized that this was actually a, a career, and I could make a career out of this, and I can actually do this full time. And I've always had this kind of conflict with engineering and with programming because it's so abstract and so much in your head, and you really want to get back to doing something very, very tangible with your hands. What I found in botanical illustration is it's not just about art, it's this precision. So it has both the balance of doing some, drawing something that's beautiful, but also making sure that it lasts, something that scientists can use to catalog where the flora and the fauna are coming from and where, where they go. But I continued to explore some non-programming things, and I got into uh, not just drawing plants, but drawing people. So I took a lot of figure drawing classes. Uh, and I took figure drawing classes because one of my favorite gene designers in the world, Scott Morrison, who created paper denim and cloth and Ernest Stone, and now 3 by one would only hire gene designers who took figure drawing. And I said, well, if I'm going to do something different and this whole audio thing isn't going to work out, I'm going to go into designing genes. And to really do that, I need to understand people and how, to, how they move, how to draw them, how they look, then I can actually design clothing for them. So I took a bunch of figure drawing in order to eventually roll into the Fashion Design Institute in San Francisco so that I could learn how to make jeans. And I started, and the, the way you start in fashion is not to make pants because they're the hardest thing, but actually you start with skirts. So I made a pencil skirt, I made an asymmetrical skirt, and then I started, we started to learn pants, but then we had this great idea that, we, that I talked about in, in the company of Odeo, and it actually started resonating with the, the folks around me, the folks in the company, and that idea was Twitter. And a lot of people see Twitter as this idea that uh, you know, these, these guys came up with, with this, this green deer, but it's actually been something that has shown and proven the power of building a platform, and building a platform with significant constraint to inspire people to build their own products on top of it. A lot of Twitter's success has been because it stayed and remained consistent. It increased the ease of communication, it increased, in, in, increased the velocity of communication, and people came to it and invented entirely new things, like the at symbol in front of a name, which is a behavior that we didn't think of, it's a behavior we saw and we made easier by programming it into the service. The hashtag, which is a behavior no one in the company thought of, we saw and we made easier. The retweet. Um, so all these, all these systems were not actually created or invented by us, but by the people using the product and using the service on a daily basis. And it was just so inspiring to see people take your work and make it theirs and build something meaningful from it. Not just pure products, but actually social constructs as well. And I think that's the true success of what Twitter has done in the world and continues to do in the world. About two and a half years after, after starting Twitter, I took the role of, of chairman. I switched with my co-founder, Ev, who was chairman, became CEO, and I became chairman, and he became CEO. And I reconnected with Jim McKelvey, uh, who was one of my uh, bosses when I was 15 years old at a little company called Mira, which was making CDs. And I reconnected with Jim 
over the holidays, and we really wanted to work together again. And one day he called me and said, Jack, I want to tell you about something. He called me on his iPhone, and he said, I just lost a sale uh, of this glass art that I, that I make now, because he became a glass artist, and he runs the, the biggest glass factory um, in St. Louis, and maybe in North America. And uh, I lost a sale because I couldn't accept a credit card. Do you think we could make, do you think we can enable me to accept a credit card on my phone? And neither of us had any idea of what that entailed, any idea of what that, that would take and what we would have to do. And we also had never worked in finance or anything to do with credit cards or built hardware. So we decided that we would work together, we would take a month and we would answer the question, why can't Jim take a credit card from the device he's carrying around every single day in his pocket, which is his mobile phone? And the answer to that question was the company Square. So why do we exist? Why can Square exist in this world? And, and what is it an answer to? It's an answer to this. This is a lot of junk. And this is what people have to deal with just to sell something, just to get into a commerce transaction. And it's just absolutely terrible. You have to put up with so much just running your business and growing your business and starting your business. But to put all this on top of it is ridiculous. So many barriers, so many burdens, and it really slows what people truly want to do in the world. So we decided we would challenge ourselves. We would build an app that someone could download. And then when they download it, they could put in their name and their address and we would ship them a free reader. They could start swiping cards and have their money in the bank account the very next morning. That was the challenge that we put before ourselves. We built the software, we built the hardware within a month, and then I got to do something I love, which is go around to all my friends and the people I knew, and I started asking for the credit card. And they said, <laughs> why? And I said, I just want to show you what I'm working on now. And eventually they would hand it over and I would swipe it and I said, I just took $25 off your card. <laughs> and then I would show a little signature screen, they would sign it with their finger and they would say, wow, like, how do, how'd you do that? I want to do that too. And also, where's my $25? <laughs> but this was a great company to pitch because I could go out to all of our VCs and we set up 20 meetings over, over two weeks. And uh, to show them the pitch, I said, you know, I can show you this, but it's going to cost. I want to demo the product right, right now, so please give me your credit card. And we started with all the VCs that we really didn't want to work with at the beginning of the week and ended with the VCs that we really wanted to work with at the end. And at the start, the price of seeing the pitch was $500. and the end, it was $5. Uh, so I got a lot of money from the VCs I don't really <laughs> like, which was also great. It supplied a lot of great dinners for the team of three people at that point. But we took all of this and we took um, all the damage in the industry and we made it something that was simple, that was easy, that people could download and within a minute actually be a merchant, be able to accept a credit card for whatever they do. It started with people who were piano teachers, but it's moved to people who are running multiple stores around the city. Uh, and it's a truly powerful utility in its simplicity and also its resonance with what people want to do. And, one of the things that was so, um, so important to us is we saw this gradual shift away from cash, away from checks, and to 
credit cards, two payment cards. Buyers wanted to use these things everywhere, but no one was able to get in the system. The hardware was way too expensive. Uh, there were so many fees associated with it, and it was just way too complicated for people to understand. So they just stopped, and they put the cash-only signs up, and that meant they also lost sales. So Square Register uh, is something we built not just to simplify that, but also to make sure that a merchant never loses a sale. And that's truly, truly meaningful for their business. We wanted to not just improve the seller side, but also the buyer side. And one of the things that was really important to us is a great buying experience. We're not necessarily sellers in the company. Um, we don't sell things on a, on a daily basis. Jim did. He's an artist, and he sells his glass art. But we didn't. And it's really hard to build, as I, as I saw with Odeo, things for people who are not you. Right? So you always want to build something for yourself. You always want to be a little bit selfish and build what you want to see in the world so that you can use it. And we saw this as more from a buying experience. How do we improve the buying experience? How do we make the swipe super fast so it works all the time in the signature to be really delightful? And one of the things that we loved was after the transaction, getting a receipt. So you enter in your phone number or your email address and you get a receipt. And this receipt was so cool because it could show a map of where the transaction took place. It could show everything that you bought. It could link to that seller's Twitter account or Facebook account or Instagram account so it could actually follow them right from that email receipt. We saw it as a publishing medium, as a communication channel between the seller and the buyer. And what could you do with that real estate? No one really has looked at it. And when they have, it's always been kind of in a junky way. But what if that receipt was an application? Could you actually improve the buying experience the next time around? And that's the challenge we put in front of the company, is I want to be able to walk into my favorite coffee store. I want to be able to go up to, a count, go up to the counter, order a cappuccino, and then walk out and wonder if I paid or not. It should feel that easy and that frictionless. And the team built it. And it's called Square Wallet. And the way this works is you open up Square Wallet and you link your credit card once, and then you can see all the merchants around you, all the square merchants around you. And you can actually open up your favorite coffee store, such as Joe's here on campus, and you can flip a switch that says automatically check-in, hands-free checkout experience. And then I put my phone in my pocket, put my phone in my bag, and I can actually walk up to the counter and I can say, I'd like a cappuccino and just put it on Jack. As soon as I start walking up on the register appears my name and my picture and my most likely order. So it gives the merchant, it gives the seller a tool so they can recognize me as I come in, which enables me um, to feel more like a VIP, more like this is my place and this is a place I'm going to come back to. So right now, today, you can download Square Wallet, link your card, walk up to Joe's, say that you like a cappuccino, Put it on Jack, don't put it on me, please. Um, my tab is large enough there. And then take that cappuccino and walk out. And as you walk out, it actually sends you a push notification asking if you want a tip, if you just want to leave a tip or not. So without bringing out my wallet, without bringing out my phone, without having to interact with my phone at all, I paid. The credit card moves the money in the background and, and square wallet. And the reason we can do this is because this device knows where it is and it knows if it's close to one of our registers. And that opens up the payment intent, which allows us to pay with our presence, with 
who we are instead of all these mechanical devices. The future is already here. It's already with us. And our job is to make sure that we distributed it. So when you're building a company full of entrepreneurs who are building tools for entrepreneurs, the future is actually in every single one of those individual heads that work at Square. And their job is to distribute it to the company to show why it's meaningful, to show why we should change the course of the company or change the course of the product for it. And when that happens, we have a refounding moment in the company. We have something that really rethinks everything that we're doing in spirit of doing something better. And we've done this at least four times in the company where we've really rethought everything that we're doing in order to realize and enrich our products and, and add products like Square Cash. Our mission at Square is pretty simple. It's make commerce easy. It's one I'm very, very proud of. Uh, and it's one that really has a lot of meaning in every single one of its words. Every word in this, in this mission tells for us. We are a group of people that loves making things. We don't just love the end product. We love the process. We love the work of getting there. We are craftsmen and we are craftswomen because we love working together and we love working on these things and seeing them in the world. Um, one, of the, one of the amazing works that we, we look at all the time and we're inspired by is the Golden Gate Bridge. A bridge is a very interesting thing because it is a utility that has one job in the world. Its one job is it doesn't fall down. Right? It stays up 100% of the time so that people can get from point A to point B. And the Golden Gate Bridge was interesting because it's a 1.7 mile span built across one of the most tumultuous areas of the West Coast. It's extremely deep. There's earthquakes on the, all the time. It's the last place on the planet that you want to build a bridge. But not only did they have the audacity to build this bridge and to cross that span and to serve its function at staying up 100% of the time, but they also had the audacity to make it beautiful, iconic, something that people talk about, something that people love because they love doing it. And it showed not just in the end product, but also in the building of the bridge. They set out to build a bridge within five years. They built it in three years. They set out to build the bridge in under $50 million of 1934 money. They built it in, with $33 million. It's a stunning feat of engineering and design and architecture, and it still stands beautifully today as it did when it was first created. That's who we aspire to be as a company. That's who we aspire to be as people, that we love our craft, we love our work so much uh, that it stands the test of time. It is truly elegant, it is truly timeless. Commerce is a word that's meaningful to us because a lot of people see Square and they see payments. They see this transactional thing. They see a swipe of a credit card. We decided a long time ago that we didn't want to be a payments company. We don't want to build a business around payments. We want to build a business around commerce. Commerce is the activity between buyers and sellers. It's a conversation. It's something that is social and it's something that is really, really hard to do today uh, and something that is not easy, which is why easy is so important for us. It constantly raises the bar on making it simpler, making it more essential, and making it something that people can get into immediately. All three of these words mean that we're building something that if we do the right job, if we do a great job, we're actually enabling people to focus more on their business, on what they do best. We're enabling buyers to spend less time swiping all these devices and going through all these mechanical things. So in effect, if we're successful, we're actually giving time back to people.
We're giving time back to all of our sellers. We're giving time back to all of our buyers. Take all the mechanical things away. Make the technology completely disappear so they can actually focus on what's most meaningful to them. Building their business, crafting their aesthetic, bringing new product to the world, and also experiencing whatever they're purchasing, whatever they're buying. That is a meaningful outcome for our mission. That's exactly what we want to do in the world. And it's not just about what we do in the world, it's also what we don't do in the world. One of the things that's been so fundamental to where I've succeeded and, and, and what's been meaningful to me in my life is just focus. And the second tool I want to give you all, and this is a tool I've been using for a few months. It's very, very simple, but extremely effective in changing patterns in your behavior and changing uh, patterns in your life. And it's a very simple concept, which is do's and don'ts. So open the notepad on your device, the notes app, create a new note, and title it daily. So every day, daily. Go down two lines and type the word do, and then colon. And then go down two more lines and type the word don't, and then colon. And it's up to all of you to figure out what goes in the do's and don'ts. <laughs> but some examples of this is if you want to exercise more, in the do, every day, you want to do X number of push-ups or pull-ups or squats or run, whatever it is. And you want to never be late again. You want to, uh, uh, you want to learn, you want to spend 10 minutes a day on learning a new language or 15 minutes learning the guitar or the piano. Um, the do's I found to be really, really easy to write. It's the don'ts that are the hard ones. And the trick that I've learned to fill out the don'ts is to simply recognize when I'm doing something that I don't want to do again, and I add it to this list. So wherever you put this, make it somewhere that you see every single day. You check in the morning, you check midday, you check in the evening, and you just run through mentally everything that you wanted to do every day, and if you actually did it, and everything you want to stop doing, and if you actually stop doing it. Why is this important from a personal level? If I can do this as an individual, then I can do this with my company. If I can do this for me, I can do this for my team. So if I get in the habit of have a, having a very, very strong focus of knowing exactly what I want to do every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, and knowing what I'm not going to do in service of what I'm doing, we're going to build a great company. We're going to build something that has massive positive impact in the world, is actually changing uh, in a positive way, people's lives. If we can do this individually, then we can do it for everyone. And that's how we think about our company, is in this very, very reflective nature. If we want to see financial transparency, if we want to see transparency in the financial world, we, Square, need to be transparent as a company. We need to do whatever it takes to build our company around the concept of transparency. In order to build a company around transparency, we also have to be transparent as individuals frank, direct, uh, and really to the point in service of our mission and what we want to see in the world. Okay? So will you all try this for at least a week? Will you also send your parents cash? <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I have to say. And
This podcast is produced by the Columbia Alumni Association with editing by Matt Lenz and music by Pottington Bear. Columbia University is a mecca of great ideas in one of the world's greatest cities. And with more than 330,000 Columbia alumni who are leaders in every field imaginable and spread across the world, the Columbia Alumni Association brings you the latest musings, updates, and insights from Columbia University. Learn more about the Columbia Alumni Association at alumni.columbia.edu. And to get even more news and ideas from Columbia, check out thelowdown.alumni.columbia.edu.